Utah skiers and riders, and welcome back to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. And how about Utah's own Pixie and the Partygrass Boys for kicking things off? Today we're live on Last Chair from Nelson Cottage with our sponsor, High West, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West is passionate about crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey all in the context of our home right here in the American West. So when you're in town, visit one of High West's locations in either Park City or nearby Wanship. And a shout out to our episode sponsors. For more than four decades, Cooper Wind Property Management, formerly Identity Properties, has been matching skiers to vacation rentals in Park City. And a welcome to Hyatt-centric Park City, a true ski-in, ski-out resort located in Canyons Resort Village right next to the Sunrise Lift. When you're looking at ski towns across America, think about these statistics. 9,300 skiable acres, 64 ski lifts, 433 runs, Pretty impressive, huh? And when it's all nestled around an old mountain mining town with an historical main street filled with restaurants, bars, and shops, well, you have what many consider to be America's greatest ski town, Park City, Utah. Today, last year, is camped out in the heart of Park City's old town at the Nelson Cottage adjacent to High West Distillery. It's a period building that dates well back into the mining era. I'm joined by the brand new leaders of two of the world's greatest ski resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley Resort. New at the helm of Park City Mountain this year is Deidre Walsh. She came to town 18 years ago, learned how to snowboard, and worked her way up to a senior management role at Park City Mountain overseeing on-mountain dining. After a brief stint running a California resort, she returned home to Park City this spring to take on the chief operating officer role at Park City Mountain. Todd Bennett grew up in a tiny town outside the Olympic Village of Lake Placid, New York, picking up a passion for skiing as a young boy. He did a few years working in Colorado in the ski industry before he headed to a career with Disney for 18 years, finding every opportunity he could to take the family on ski trips around the country. When the opportunity came up to lead Deer Valley Resort, he jumped on it, moving his family from sunny Southern California to their new mountain home in Park City. Todd and Deidre are great examples of the young, modern leaders who are starting to take charge in the ski industry, and they recognize the unique opportunity that they both have here in Park City. Join me now as we catch up with Deidre Walsh and Todd Bennett for an insightful episode of Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. It's a beautiful morning here in Park City. Uh, we had this mid-October snowfall that blanketed the about 12-mile ridgeline above town, stretching from Bald Mountain at Deer Valley Resort to Jupiter Peak and on to Murdoch Peak at Park City Mountain. And today, though, we are gathered in a cozy setting here at Nelson Cottage, right at the High West Distillery in Park City's Old Town. We're recording this podcast episode on Halloween. That's right, Halloween. No one's in costume yet. That may happen later. I want to welcome Todd Bennett from Deer Valley Resort and Deidre Walsh from Park City Mountain. Thanks for joining us on Last Chair. It's great to be here today, Tom. Hey, good morning, Tom. So I, I got to ask you, as skiers, we all look up on the ridgeline and we see all that snow and we just want to get out there and get on the boards. And in October, when you get snowfall like this, is, is this a good thing or, or is it a hindrance in your preseason preparations? Oh, this is a great thing. We are prepared for snow every October. Teams are anxious to get out on the hill, start making snow, get everything ready to go. So the timing of this snowfall is perfect for us right now. Todd, I was over at Stein Erickson Lodge this weekend for a fundraising event, just looking up at Bald Mountain, and it looks like it's ready to go right now. Yeah, it's it's looking good up there. A few folks have gone out and skinned and hiked and uh, even taken a couple of turns already. But um, yeah, we're excited. Uh, making a lot of snow right now as well. We've had great cold temperatures, so very excited for opening in about four weeks. Have either one of you made any turns yet? Unfortunately, No. No, I have not made turns. No, yet, okay. No. We need to need to get you up there. Uh, I want to learn a little bit about you, and before we get into your professional lives as the leaders of these two amazing resorts, I, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you got into the sport. And uh, Todd, why don't you kick it off? I know you grew up in near Lake Placid, and uh, that puts you in contact with the sport at an early age. Yeah, I sure did. My town, which is Saranac Lake, New York, is about eight miles from Lake Placid, and we had a town-run hill called Mount Pisgah. Mount Pisgah had one run to the left of a T-bar and one run to a right of a T-bar and 
500 vertical feet and that's where I learned to ski. I think at age four, I started skiing, got my first ski pass at age five. And um, I've always loved skiing. I mean, it's just one of those things that honestly was probably a little bit cooler than I was as a kid. And I just loved being around it. Um, I was a skier for many years in high school. I switched to snowboarding. And after that, I ended up going to Telmark skiing and now back to Alpine. So uh, a big fan. And um, yeah, I've been skiing, I guess, now for over 40 years. Wow. Were you a fanatical little kid on the slopes? I was. Yeah, I kind of it was fun. I also I think the only broken bones I've had uh, are from skiing uh, my hand when I was six. And uh, but, you know, it's it's a fun experience. You know, it was almost the babysitter, really. When we were growing up, my mom would drop me off at the hill and let me know that Mrs. Scapatizzi was in the bottom uh, of the mountain. And if I needed anything and talk to Mrs. Scapatizzi and I'd be back in uh, she'd be back in four hours. Awesome. I mean, ski areas work really well for that. Uh, and, and, and yeah, we just don't want to jinx you on, Hey, I've never been hurt. I say the same thing. I've never had a major ski injury. Uh, Deidre, how about you? How'd you get started? Mine's actually quite the opposite of, of Todd's. I did not grow up skiing and snowboarding whatsoever. I grew up in the Midwest. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a really large family. I'm one of 10 kids. And so our family vacation and time was spent more camping and always outside. And sometimes we drive to Florida. So I grew up with this love of the outdoors. Um, and in the summers, I can think of my mom would, would literally send us out the door, I think lock it behind us. And we couldn't come home until she rang a bell that was outside of our garage door. So I spent hours and hours um just really playing in the woods and found my way out to Montana after college. And then I was working for a travel company based in St. Louis. And that was honestly the first time I had really even had Park City on my radar. This is a great location where groups like to come and visit and um, met my husband doing that work. And he had grown up skiing, um, Stevens Pass actually. And he said, let's move to Park City together. So had almost no skiing experience until I came out here. He was a snowboarder. So I thought I'd be a cool girlfriend and learn to snowboard as well. So my very first lesson was actually right at Park City Mountain in my mid twenties. And, um, so I fell in love with this, the sport itself, you know, a little bit later in life. And it's been amazing to be a part of the community here and now have my kids grow up with skiing and riding as part of their, um, every day, but didn't grow up with the sport, but certainly love it now. When you look back at that time, uh, what was the learning curve like for you? You mean, you're starting the sport as an adult. What was the learning curve? Well, I think more than anything, it's a little bit, you kind of got to like leave your ego at the door a bit. I think at that age, it wasn't too bad. I think in snowboarding, you know, you, you end up on your, you know, your knees or your behind probably more than you'd really like. But at that time I actually had a, had a job where I had a lot of free time. So I, I was up at Park City weekdays and doing laps with friends and hitting Snow Hut for, you know, for lunch. So I think that helped for sure. Good. Well, you've got that old culture from uh, those days, which was great. Let's fast forward to your professional careers. And Deidre, what eventually got you to work in the industry, which I presume was right here at Park City Mountain? It was. I started working for Park City Mountain in 2007. And the career that I had prior to the ski industry was in incentive travel. I worked for a company based out of St. Louis. And um, one of their trips was out to Park City. And that's eventually what brought my husband and I out here. So I started working for the ski resort in conference sales. So I coordinated weddings and um, all of the corporate groups that came to the mountain. And that was part of the food and beverage division. And I worked under Jenny Smith at the time. And so I started my career in food and beverage and um, continued on that from 2007 all the way through 2019 uh, before I had an opportunity to move to uh, Northern California and be the GM of Northstar. What was that like out there? Uh, quite a different experience than what you have here in an area that actually has a ton of ski areas really close by. A lot of ski areas very close by, an incredible lake that brings you know, millions of visitors. So an incredible, I would say, year-round, vibrant um, visitor economy. What I would describe about California running a ski resort is there is no normal. It was a, a very unpredictable weather cycle. It was pretty incredible there. Um, but just great community. And I think with all the other ski resorts there, a, a real love of, of skiing and riding that's um, really felt in that community. And the snow, it is different than the Park City snow. 
It is. Yeah. It's uh, the Sierra cement uh, for sure. So we, we brought with us um, from Utah, our snowblower and people laughed at us like, you know, that's not going to work here. And, and they were right. Uh, that, that is not the case. You, uh, you got to get out there with uh, either professional or, or put your back really into moving that snow around. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's great in its own way. Good. And then Todd, you had quite a different pathway to eventually find your way into the ski industry. Yeah, that's right. Um, after college, I did end up working for Vail Mountain for three years. I worked at Vail Mountain in the winters and Outward Bound in the summers. Um, went back to business school and then for the past 18 years prior to Deer Valley, I worked for Disney in Southern California and worked in a variety of business planning, business development uh, roles, revenue management. Uh, and then the last uh, seven years was in operations. I ran uh, downtown Disney and then eventually I worked at Disney California Adventure. What motivated you to get back into the ski industry, I guess I could say? You know, it was uh, just kind of fortuitous. I saw that the opening for Deer Valley came up at the end of December last year, and uh, I immediately reached out to a number of folks that I knew in the industry, and folks like Bill Jensen, who I'd worked with back in in my days at Vail, and, um, you know, pursued the job pretty aggressively. It was uh, a really unique opportunity and a beautiful place here in Park City, a place we wanted to raise our family. Um, at Park City had always been on our list, and, and I've just always been a passionate skier. So it was just a great time, great opportunity. And as a skier, I've skied Deer Valley probably 30 times or so. Um, Utah, maybe 100 days. What a great opportunity. So it was something that that I wanted. And when that opportunity came up, I uh, was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to come work at Deer Valley. Were you living in Southern California? That's right. Yeah, living in Long Beach, California. And the family embraced this move up to the mountains? They did. You know, when I learned of it, it was December 26, 2001, when I learned of the opportunity, I asked my wife that night, I said, hey, you know, we've had Park City on our list of places we move. Uh, there's a job that I think I'd really like to go after. Would you make the move? She's like, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely consider it. She grew up in a small town as well. She was an NCAA ski racer at St. Lawrence University in upstate New York. So she's thrilled to be here. Cool. I, I, I want to talk about a, a little side project a few years ago, and, and it's crazy to me to think about how you could do this while you're working for Disney's, but you you actually were one of the creative forces behind the book, The Man Behind the Maps, the story of James Niehaus, who, who has done all of these amazing maps. We had him on the podcast here a couple of years ago, got a copy of the book right here on the table. Uh, but how did you get into that project? So, a, a group of friends and I um, every year would go on ski week and ski week was a uh, we'd block the the week of time. And during that week, we would uh, about 24 to 36 hours away from the start of the trip, we'd determine where we'd fly into. So that particular year we flew into Salt Lake here, skied in Salt Lake. The end of the trip, we had to get up to Whistler. So we knew we had a long drive ahead of us. Um, skied a couple days here in the greater Salt Lake area, was up at Tamarack Mountain in central Idaho. And I was looking at the ski map for Tamarack and I turned to my buddies and I said, it's the same guy. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, it's the same guy. Look at the trees, look at the signature, those E's that are the horizontal stripes that he uses for his E signature. And I went to his website. Um, he had a very kind of rudimentary uh, first pass website and I reached out to him. He had an AOL email address and I reached out to Jim and I said, you know, I'd really like a copy of your coffee table book. And if you don't have one, I'd love to help you make one. What was his response? I mean, he, he, having had him on the podcast and gotten to know him a little bit, he's a fairly conservative guy who just does his art. What was his response to that? You know, I think I was probably one of many people that had reached out to Jim over the years and said, hey, we should do this. I think there's probably a level of persistence, uh, you know, once a month, probably reaching back out and then eventually had a chance to meet him in person, maybe nine months after the first contact. And so got a chance to meet his wife, Dora. Uh, my wife got to meet him and he got to meet my son at the time. Um, and eventually he just said, let's do it. You know, let's give it a try. I think, you know, he was getting towards the end of his ski map career. And I think the timing was right for him to finally put a kind of an anthology of his work together. Well, he was inducted into the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame a couple of years ago and a, really a legend. You know, folks, I know that you all look at the trail maps wherever you go and just look at the signature and figure out who did it and, and get a copy of uh, Man Behind the Maps. It's really quite an amazing book. Let's take a look at each of your resorts. And then as we move along in the podcast, we're going to talk about your resorts being nestled here in this community of Park City. But Todd, why don't you kick it off and just give us a little preview of what we can expect this coming season at Deer Valley? 
very excited to uh, another year of Deer Valley. We've had great opportunity for some natural snow. We've been making a lot of snow over the last couple of weeks. Um, so the team's feeling really good about that. Uh, a couple of improvements, uh, probably the biggest uh, on the surface may not look like a super big improvement, but it is uh, a great improvement for the overall ski experience. We are uh, changing the orientation of the Burns lift. The Burns lift kind of comes out of our beginner ski area and it now will go up towards the top of St. Regis. It is a detachable quad. It features a new uh, first lowering or, or, or automatic lowering safety restraint, and it will also come up at the top. I think that's the first of its kind in North America. But where it helps with the ski experience is the beginner progression starts at Snow Park. And after Snow Park and the, um, and, the, and the magic carpets that you have there, typically folks would go to the top of the mountain and ski Ontario. That's where the ski school would take you. That's a pretty busy area, uh, but that was the right terrain. By making this change in orientation to the Burns Lift, this will allow you to get towards Mountaineer. Mountaineer has some really, really good beginner terrain that uh, our ski school can leverage. And it also is one of our lower or least uh, busy lifts, the Mountaineer Express. So it's going to it's gonna change the traffic pattern of the mountain. So we're really excited just to kind of improve the service level, both for the ski school, but also for all of our skiers. Deidre, how about over at Park City Mountain? Yeah, it's a, a lot of great things coming our way this season. And like we said, Mother Nature, who is often our most fickle business partner, is off to a good start. So that's certainly having everybody be excited about what's to come. Canyons Village has a really exciting project. Um, that village is just an incredible portal to the resort, really uh, guest-centric focus, world-class amenities over there. And so we are converting our ski beach into a fully heated paver deck huge fireplaces going in uh, and remodeling Redtail outdoor patio as well. So that's right between Red Pine Gondola, Orange Bubble Express, and the top of Frostwood. So really would be a great experience as skiers come right off Doc's Run and can go right into um, Opera and sit in the sun and enjoy um, what we have there. In addition to that, two other really, I think, um, transformational things happening for the resort. One is our paid parking and our reservation um, system that we are implementing this season out of Mountain Village. Two really focuses on on that change here. One around paid parking is to really drive um, the average vehicle occupancy or guests and visitors to take public transit. And then the reservation system is really to have, if you think about the arrival experience, to really spread that out. So instead of everybody, you know, waking up and um, getting up bright and early to have coffee and, and rush over to the resort, you know, sometimes earlier than 8 a.m. to fight for that parking spot. Um, you'll have a reservation between 8.30 and 1 o'clock and you can come at any time. So really think that'll be transformational for not just the arrival experience, but just for people getting around town early in the morning, still with free parking out of Canyons Village, free parking out of uh, Mountain Village after 1 o'clock, and free parking out of Mountain Village if you carpool for four plus people. Um, so definitely a change um, for everybody, but looking forward to seeing the outcome of that. And then the other thing that's really exciting, I think, in the community and that we are able to be a partner of is Slopeside Village, which is affordable workforce housing that's based out of um, the Canyons Village area, the, the Cabriolet lot. So total of about 1,200 beds that'll come online. This is through partnership with the county and with the developer, Columbus Pacific. And um, we have a master lease on about 440 of those beds. So um, anything with the new construction, um, you know, anxiously waiting to see how that timeline is progressing. But I'm confident that we'll have beds certainly before um, the Christmas holiday uh, hits us here. And just exciting, I think, to see that come into the community, that that volume of, um, of beds for our seasonal workforce will really be impactful, not just for the resort, but for, I think, the community as a whole. I just want to touch on that a little bit more. It may not be as sexy as, you know, putting in new runs or opening new terrain, but but right now, and every business has this, it's not just the ski industry, but being able to come up with creative solutions for housing is really vital, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly vital. And I think, you know, our, our communities have really changed in the last few years, not just Park City, but I think most tourist economies have. And so I think we all have to work on this together and be collaborative and creative and really work towards solutions that work for everybody. You know, I want to talk to a little bit about public transportation. I'm a little bit of a nut on that topic. Uh, If anybody wants to talk to me offline, I'll give you all the secret spots you can park and take the bus. But uh, we have two free 
transit networks in Park City to bring people to the resorts. I'd, I'd like to get some thoughts from each of you on the importance of that and what you can do as resorts to really help people get on the bus. I mean, Todd, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, there's obviously there's the guests that we would love to get onto mass transit and reduce the traffic burden in Park City. But there's also the employee opportunity. You know, we have a, both Deidre and I have a number of employees that need to get to the resort. They need to get to the resort early and they need either to park or they need to take mass transit. Um, we know there's the bus that's being added to Richardson Flat uh, this year, which is great. And Deer Valley is committed to up to $100,000 of incentives to help employees try that route and get accustomed to that route and keep using that. So we're, I think, both on the guest side, but also just as important on the employee side of encouraging mass transit. I think just to add to that, you know, when I was in California, I talked a lot about the public transit system here in Park City. And I think sometimes when you leave and you come back, you have that much more of an appreciation for like you said, it's free. The buses are clean. Um, great bus drivers overall. Um, the fact that the percentage of those buses that are electric and then the High Valley Transit model that many other mountain communities are really emulating. It, it continues to remind me that Park City is such a hub for these ideas that um, other communities can learn from and are implementing based on what we're doing here. I think that responsibility for us as the resorts is, is definitely to communicate that this is an option for both guests and for employees. We've been doing a program um, incentivizing our employees to ride public transit called Ride On. And that's really, um, I think, been a significant program to stand up for employees. It's incentive-based. Um, I think we had employees last year one, went up to $1,000 for carpooling and for driving in van pools. So those kind of programs are exist, and I think the more we can spread the word, it's great. I think what we can possibly see out of Richardson's could be another great change for the community. And just thinking about even just carpooling, you know, you said it, Tom, you kind of know where to pick up transit, but also I think with um, the changes out of Park City's Mountain Village base are where those opportunities for people to hop in a car with each other and just have fewer cars on the road. That's, that's a, a great thing for the community and um, for everybody's experience. Let's shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk about the characteristics of this community. I mean, we are an historic mining community. We date back to the 19th century, and the community over time has really helped to preserve that. DJ, I want you to start on this one, but talk, if you could, about the importance of that and the characteristics of your resort that fits into this community. When I think about Park City and that history, the word that always comes to mind is just how authentic this community is around the history that we have, the storytelling, the feeling that when you're on Main Street, that these buildings and these neighborhoods, and you look up the hill and you see all of these homes, you can't miss the history of this community. And it's really something that I think makes Park City so unique and so special. And then I think about the connection to, um, certainly to Park City Mountain. So, you know, established in 1963, I think of, um, actually when I joined the resort, the image of, of John F. Kennedy in that moment of, you know, of, of signing over some funds to be able to make the ski resort possible here after the change of the, the boom of mining and then a little bit of a lull there and, and shifting the economy um, overall. Now, I had a project up on um, Park City Mountain that was really special to me, and that's uh, Mid-Mountain Lodge. And so the history of Mid-Mountain Lodge um, was built in, I think, 1896, um, and it's originally a boarding house and a mess hall for miners. And actually, when you are at the bottom of Bonanza Lift, you can still see the, the safe that's right there. That's where the original building was. And then it was moved um, to be in its current location. And we were able to remodel that and really, I think, pay tribute to the history of that building just in the most recent remodel. So there are all these touch points overall. If you come to Park City Mountain, we do a um, Silver to Slopes tour. It's free every day at 10 a.m. You can go out with guides that are so passionate about the history of mining and um, the history of skiing and how those come together on the hill. Yeah, it, it, it is really amazing. And just a little bit of history to go back to that 1963 time, the old gondola. Deidre, did, you probably didn't experience the gondola, uh, did I, you? I did not. Okay. Uh, the gondola, by the way, was about a 25-minute ride up to the top. That was the time that you took in that time period uh, of our history. But it was built with a loan from the Kennedy administration, and it was one of the first gondolas ever. Uh, so a little bit of history. You can still see some remnants uh, as you're uh, kind of right above the 
Bonanza base terminal up in the mountain, you can see the angle station that once existed. Todd, Deer Valley, how does Deer Valley take advantage of the characteristics of this community? Sure. I, I think community is the right term. And it's something that we've talked a lot about with my senior leadership team. We're all here. We're all local. We live in the greater Park City area. And uh, I think not only the history of mining, but the history and the connection with the town and the community is very important to us. And I think that's a responsibility that we have. You know, we are a big employer in Park City. We have a we have a responsibility to be integrated uh, with the community, to listen to the community, to understand uh, the texture. Because as you said, it, it's changed. It, it started as a mining community. Um, it's changed more towards travel and tourism. And, and now, even now, it's continuing to evolve. So I think it's really important for myself and the team to be very in tune. And the best way to do that is to be local and to be engaged as, as members of the community ourselves. Yeah, I have a question for each of you. Uh, food items on the mountain are, of course, very important to many of us. And I remember, Todd, when Altera came to town in, I think, 2017 to announce the acquisition of Deer Valley, there were a lot of questions on people's minds in the community. But the one that was uh, put us probably the most at ease was when the Altera spokesperson said, turkey chili is safe. And I imagine turkey chili is still safe, right? Turkey chili is safe. You know, I, I think the great thing about Deer Valley, it's not... It, while we're not changing who we are, even through the Altera acquisition, we're not changing who we are and we're not going to change what we're known for, uh, turkey chili, grooming, our service standards. How we evolve that service will continue to change, um, but, but the core of who we are has remained unchanged. Deidre, during the pandemic, there were a lot of changes and people had to adjust to a lot of things. And I think like everyone, I adjusted to most everything. But the one thing I never adjusted to is the fact that donuts went away at Cloud Dine. <laughs> uh, can we expect that maybe in the future we'll see donuts again at Cloud Dine? You can expect that, Tom. And I will have one waiting for you. Fresh, warm, glazed donut the next time that you're up on the hill. That is such a great restaurant location. I mean, just the panoramic view that you have there, the secluded feeling of being up there and seeing our whole ridgeline. It's just really remarkable. I, I want to get some thoughts from you too about your parent companies. And this is what really makes this community unique is that we have a Vail Resorts property, we have an Altera property, we have Icon, we have Epic here. Uh, Dee, just started out and just talk a little bit about your company and what it represents and how Park City Mountain fits into that. Yeah, being part of Vail Resorts for me has been an exceptional personal experience. It's a company that is really focused on employees first. You know, we talk about the employees don't work for Vail Resorts, they are Vail Resorts. And so I think having that point of view has really guided not just me, but I think all of the resort leaders to think about that in decision-making, being able to make investments like $175 million um, in the employee experience is pretty exceptional. And I think that's um, enabled working for a company like Vail Resorts and of the size that we have. I think the other thing that's, um, I think, really impressive when I think about our company is our point of view on accessibility. And so, oh, you know, we have 41 resorts that make up all of the, um, the network. And by way of that, we are able to be in communities um, that are outside of urban areas like St. Louis, where I grew up, um, outside of Chicago, outside of Detroit, that really are creating lifelong skiers in some areas that um, perhaps they didn't have that accessibility, and then they now have accessibility into the greater network. And maybe they'll get a trip out to Colorado and get that experience as well, and really thinking about our price point when it comes to our passes to really drive that um, accessibility, and at the same time, creating um, consistency for our workforce and for our communities as well by having a past product like we do. Todd? So I'm 90 days into working for Altera and Deer Valley, but you know what I've noticed already is that um, Altera puts a lot of emphasis on the local community um, and giving the site leaders, such as myself, the site presidents, the flexibility to change and adapt um, what is needed in our community. So, you know, in particular for Deer Valley, number one is uh, very similar to Park City Mountain and Vail Resorts. It's it's the employee experience. We have to be great employers. We have to create a great place for people to work. Number two is the community and the engagement with the community and how we um, continue to be great partners and very transparent in the way that we go after that. Uh, the third priority for us at Deer Valley is is in, in particular for me is understanding the history and context. We talked a little bit about that from the mining history, but also the history of Deer Valley and its role within the community um, for the last 40 plus years. And then the last piece is how do we evolve our service thoughtfully? You know, there's, there's going to be evolution. There's going to be changes to how we deliver service. Um, we just need to make sure that fits with the Deer Valley brand. 
Great. Deidre and Todd, thank you very much. We're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back. And when we return, we're going to take a close look at the uniqueness of Park City as a ski town right here on Last Chair of the Ski Utah podcast. We'll be back with Deidre and Todd shortly to talk more about the uniqueness of Park City, America's ski town. One of the great aspects of skiing and riding in Park City is the vast array of vacation rental opportunities from intimate slopeside inns to comfy rentals just steps from historic Main Street. Now in its 43rd year of matching skiers to lodging, Cooper Wind Property Management, formerly known as Identity Properties, is your ideal stop to find that home away from home. Everything from studios to four-bedroom rentals and more. Cooper Wynn offers a truly distinctive collection of Park City vacation rentals, many with heated pools and hot tubs. And many are close to Park City's free bus system, so you can avoid renting a car. You have a lot of choices today, but as a Park City local myself, I know the value that long-term knowledge brings. That's Cooper Wynn. Check out the winter discounts at PCLodge.com or call 1-800-245-6417 for rates and availability. That's PCLodge.com. Cooper Wynn Property Management, your home away from home in Park City. Now let's get back to Nelson Cottage at High West Distillery as we chat with Park City Mountain leader Deidre Walsh and Deer Valley's Todd Bennett. Welcome back to Last Chair of the Ski Utah Podcast. We're here today with the leaders of Park City Mountain and Deer Valley, Deidre Walsh and Todd Bennett. I, I, I want to throw some stats out and talk now about this community as a ski town, formerly a mining town, now a ski town. But some of these lifts are, or some of these stats are really quite astounding. 64 lifts in this community, 433 lift served ski runs and well over 9,000 skiable acres. This is a big place for skiing. Deja, to start out with you, there's a lot of skiing here. There's a lot of skiing at Park City, but if you look at the whole package surrounding this beautiful historic old town that we have literally minutes, seconds away from the slopes, talk about that setting and how unique this really is here in the community of Park City. I think the first thing I think of is, wow, aren't we lucky? Just based on those stats of, you know, so many of us that live in this community on any given day have that kind of choice and options to go out and have an outstanding skiing and riding experience. I think proximity, you know, for Park City Mountain, we have Town Lift and, um, and then we have two other base portals. So the way to be able to access the mountain is incredible to be able to ski up on Park City Mountain take a rundown, have an experience on Main Street, and then hop back on Town Lift. I mean, it's it's unlike any other place. And then like you said earlier, add the kind of snow that we get here. I just feel personally so full of gratitude that this is a community that I get to live in, that our employees get to work in, and that our visitors get to come. And then adding in all the amenities that make this community really just exceptional. And then the history of not just mining, but also the Olympics. And so thinking about that when you're on the mountain and the rich history we have for these amazing athletes that have trained and competed on our hills. Todd, the... There was skiing back here in the day, and Edgar Stern was the one who really had this concept of adding a little bit more over at what used to be known as Snow Park and developing Deer Valley in the early 80s. Again, how does this magnitude surrounding this community, how does Deer Valley fit into that? You know, I think what Deer Valley is known for and what fits with what I felt here as a a resident of Park City is, is that level of service. And I think that's what Polly and Edgar really kind of started with and had that vision for. And I think that is um, something that seamlessly blends with Park City. I mean, the, the locals uh, that I've met uh, and, and be quickly becoming a local myself have been incredibly open and welcoming to myself and my family. So that's been really, really wonderful. And I think that just fits seamlessly into what Deer Valley is known for, which is welcoming and, and providing great service. From an operational perspective, there's a lot of terrain out there. Uh, Todd, to start with you, you may not occupy as many miles of that 12-mile ridgeline, but you have five separate mountains over at Deer Valley. Operationally, how challenging is it for you during the winter to manage that and to provide that service to the skiers who come here? 
You know, I'm, I'm just getting into it, Tom. So, you know, as I, you know, I'm new in the role, but talking with Steve Graff and the mountain operations team, um, you know, the big part of it is making sure that we're delivering on our grooming standard. That's something that we're known for. And, and that first, before you can groom, you have to make a lot of snow. And so the team has been very busy, both uh, accepting the great snow that we've gotten here in early October, but also uh, we've been making snow every night, sometimes uh, throughout the day, both on the upper and lower mountains. So it, I think it all starts with that. And we have, we have a great variety of terrain on the mountain, just like most of the mountains here in Utah, where you can start as a beginner, um, really a new skier altogether. And then we've got some really good, uh, more challenging terrain off Sultan and up, up on Empire Pass. Deidre, same thing. And I want to go back to that standing up at Cloud Dine and looking out at that ridgeline. You have some terrain that is extremely remote. It's it's lift served access, but to get crews back there, it's, it's not easy and there's a lot of it. So operationally, how do you manage all of that during the peak of the winter? I think if you are in the ski industry, you are no stranger to adversity and to um, the challenges that you just described um, based on the vastness of Park City Mountain, 7,300 acres. I think that, you know, the way that you're able to operate a mountain of our size successfully, it's all about the team that's around you. It's about uh, making sure that people have a plan, that they're safe and that um, they know that they have a team around them to support them and to go out and um, execute um, with excellence on that plan. So, you know, I think of myself as certainly the, the CEO of the resort, but ultimately it's really about the team that's out there every day um, going out and getting after it and um, being really excited about actually how large the resort is and the expansiveness and sometimes how far out it is. I mean, it's an accomplishment when you, you know, are a snowmaker or a groomer and you get to the end of your shift and you really look back and think about everything that you just did that enables this experience of a lifetime for the skiers and snowboarders that come the next day. Let's go back to the concept of Old Town and a little bit of the history. We touched on this earlier. Deidre, how important is the character of this Main Street with the restaurants and the shops? We're sitting here today at the Nelson Cottage at High West Distillery. You you had an experience out in Tahoe, and Tahoe maybe has some of those things. But what what we have here, it really is unique. It's so unique what we have here, both based on the proximity, but that genuine feeling you have when you are walking on Main Street, when you are going into the shops, when you are at a restaurant and interacting with all of the employees that make this town happen day in and day out. I don't think there's a town that's like this that could ever claim the history that we have here. I think about the Park City Museum, such an incredible attribute that we have to go in and have that right on Main Street. Talk about the old jail, you know, be able to, to really showcase the incredible history that's here. And you can go up and down Main Street and find those stories time and time again. And just appreciate, I think, those opportunities when our guests and our locals alike are really excited about all of the stories that we have here that make this community so special. Todd, before you took the job here, you said you had skied Deer Valley probably 30 times. And I would imagine that when you think back to your memories, it's not just ripping nice turns off a of bald mountain, but it's those evenings on, on historic Main Street. Yeah, and I think a lot of credit is um, should be given to the city and the, and the folks that live here to have preserved Main Street the way it is. You know, as Deidre said, it's a very unique experience. It's, um, it's a great pedestrian area, and and it has so much history and character that um, you just don't see that in many mountain towns. There's a few out there that certainly have it. Telluride, I think, is another great place and a great town that uh, that has that same experience. But but most don't, and I think a lot of credit goes to those who. Um, that worked in the city planning groups and uh, the city staff that had the foresight to make sure that this experience was preserved, was thoughtfully done. And, and that's all rooted in understanding the history and the heritage and the culture. So I think it goes back to what you were talking about, which is uh, Park City is a very strong community. And uh, it's the, the action and involvement of the community to make sure things like that continue. Both resorts have been very instrumental in helping to preserve those mining structures. And I know, Todd, this occurred just before you got here in July, but the raising of the Daily West head frame, that's the big tower next to Montage, was something all of us in the community looked forward to. And folks skiing over there this winter will see that, uh, ain't that not, not really ancient, but that old mining structure back in place this winter. 
Yeah, it, it, I had a chance to go check it out this fall, and uh, what I what I love the most was uh, Garrett in particular on the team who I was touring on the mountain with. He's in mountain operations. The amount of pride that he had in being a part of that and raising that tower back again um, it's 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 really genuine and it's really uh, I think it just speaks to the character of the people that live here and work here and want to be here in Park City and in a part of Deer Valley. Let's take a look into our crystal balls a little bit as best we can, and maybe you can tease us a little bit. But if we look out kind of two to five years, Todd, what can we expect to see in the works at Deer Valley? You know, there's a number of projects that are in uh, in consideration right now. There's the snow park base area that is uh, under consideration, and we're working with the city uh, right now on figuring out the in, in, the traffic, uh, kind of the foundation of what that place would be. It's, it's really around the traffic and the parking and all of that. And once we kind of make sure that works and is fits for the community and fits for us, then we can kind of build on top of a, a village that could have uh, retail, dining, entertainment, um, in, in addition to some housing as well. Great. Deidre at Park City Mountain? Yeah, I wish I could look into that crystal ball and tell you all of our secrets here, Tom. Um, what I would say is, as we think about the future of the resort, is continuing to really invest in infrastructure uh, whenever we can. We know that that's critical to having a world-class ski resort, and it's why we continue to make significant capital investments um, in our resort. Canyons Village really has a lot of opportunity. So um, I've spent a lot of the last few weeks and months just thinking about the opportunities that we have there in partnership again with our um, uh, our landlord and some great partners out of that um, base area. So I think more to come on what we might see there and continuing to have the focus on uh, Mountain Village as well. I want to just a couple more closing questions before we wrap it up. I want to talk a little bit about climate and sustainability. And DJ, if you could speak to that. I think all of us as skiers and snowboarders, this is top of mind. I know it is for the resort industry as well. What things are you looking at in that space and how are you working together with the community on that? Yeah, I think about, you know, the stakeholders that we have when we're running a ski resort and, and mother nature and the environment is certainly one of them. We as a company have commitment to net zero emissions by 2030 and zero waste to landfill by 2030 as well. Um, and we're continuing to make great progress in that across the board. We've already invested a million dollars in energy efficiency pro projects at Park City Mountain, among um, a lot of other things, including our uh landfill and our handling of waste overall. So those are some of the the big projects that we have. I think it's also the little things that you do every day as a business. And certainly I think from the volume that you see at a place like Park City Mountain, it is taking care of everything, including the the gloves that you use in the back of house when you're in the kitchen, you know, all the way to your, you know, lighting and how you think about that as you operate the ski resort. You know, I'm really impressed and, again, so proud to be part of this community where the municipality has also made these really significant commitments as well. I think, you know, we all need to do our part together, both the um, the large uh, employers and the municipality as well, and just thrilled to see that their commitment, I think, just really complements the work that we're doing on the mountain as well. Todd? You know, there's a number of initiatives that Deer Valley is taking to reduce carbon and reduce waste. But, you know, we hit on it a little bit earlier. I think a great place for us to continue to do both of those is around mass transportation, right? And, and figuring out ways both for the employees and for the guests and, and get the guest per vehicle higher so that not only does it help the environment, but it also helps the overall experience here in town. Closing question before we get to fresh tracks. You are both great leaders of your resorts. We appreciate the responsibilities that you've taken on. Let's set that aside. When you go up on the mountain and you're ripping a turn down from the top and you're all by yourself in a nice wooded trail, what is it that's special about the sport to you, Todd? I've always loved skiing. It's just, you know, the 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 sense of freedom, the sense of um the sense of speed that you can get and kind of gravity pulling you downhill is is unlike anything that I know of. It's the one consistent, you know, hobby activity that I've had my entire life. I've done a lot of different things, but skiing's that one consistent piece. And so when I get this season on top of Steins and get to make those first turns down Steins, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And you're going to make sure Steins is open early, right? That's the goal. <laughs> okay. Deidre, how about you? I think in what you just described in particular, it is really hard in this world to turn things off. And when I think about those moments that we get to have on the mountain, even when you're with a group or on your own, I think of the solace that it can bring me and the pure joy in those moments. Um, I think you 
uh, have I've probably laughed harder than I ever have um, with friends on just the chairlift alone, looking at my kids being goofballs out there and also getting a little nervous as they point and go. But, you know, just just to turn off your phone and all the other um, parts of our lives that seem like they're always turned on, I feel like I get to turn off when I'm on the mountain. You guys described it very well. We're going to wrap it up with fresh tracks, a few uh Specific questions for each of you. Nothing tricky here, but uh, Deidre, we'll start it out with you. Your favorite run at Park City Mountain? It's got to be Silver Queen. I have so many memories of that run. Todd, Deer Valley? It's at Steins. Yes, yeah, got to be Steins. Steins. Yep. How about to each of you? And Todd started out a favorite run in Utah outside of your own resort. Uh, favorite run for me would be over at Snowbird. And I'll have to remember the name, probably um, off the Gad Valley, far skiers left. I can't place the name of it, but I can see it. Dave will invite you over there and to give you a tour of the mountain. <laughs> Deidre, how about you? I love Snow Basin. I have a ton of memories there. Anything off of Strawberry, probably Main Street, maybe Coyote is just a great, fun, fast run. Beautiful. Deidre, favorite Park City restaurant, not at your resort? I have to go with Chimayo. That bread, any day, any day of the week. Chimayo located on Main Street. And Todd? Uh, we're a big fan of Pizza Friday in my household. Every Friday, the kids are looking for the pizza. So Versante pizza has been great for us. Awesome. Awesome. Todd, you spent a lot of time working at Disney. Do you have a favorite Disney moment? My favorite? Oh, probably when I was a kid. You know, we would drive from upstate New York down to Orlando uh, to get out of the snow for a couple of weeks. And uh, my favorite moment was probably... The carousel of progress and seeing that at Epcot Center, that was like a, a, just a quintessential moment. I was studied as an engineer. And so to kind of see how stuff works and how things evolve, that was really great. Cool. Uh, for both of you, your favorite on-mountain lunch at your resort, Todd? Favorite on-mountain And I know lunch. this is your first season, but you've been here before, so you must have one. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd probably have to go uh, with Silver Lake and I'd have to go with the turkey chili. Good. Deidre? This is a tricky one for me. Uh, I'm probably going to have to go Mid-Mountain Lodge. Of course you do. Yeah. It, really anything on the menu there, but that that place, you know, when I'm out of uniform, a drink on the deck, that's got to be it. By the way, folks, when you're at Park City Mountain and you look at Mid-Mountain Lodge, imagine what it was like to haul that building about a mile up the run. It used to be right down at the Bonanza base. That was amazing. Long time ago. Oh, and now to uh, one of our favorite questions here on Last Chair. What is your favorite High West whiskey? I've got to go with the bourbon. My favorite drink is the Dead Man's Boots. So love it. I, I like the Burai just as it is. Nothing like Burai. Can only get it here. And with us to give us a little introduction to the High West uh, product we have in front of us, Ariane King, who is an ambassador for High West. First of all, is that the coolest job? It's the coolest job. <laughs> okay, we have two whiskeys we're, we're tasting here today. Why don't you give us a little intro to each of them? Yes, absolutely. So I love that we are early today, but this is actually when our distillers and blending team taste because it's when our sensories are so awake. They'll actually go in before they even have their morning coffee, which is pretty amazing. So I love that we're doing this time of day. Uh, we're starting with the bourbon. This is a little bit of our sweeter whiskey. So this is 85% corn mash. 15% malted barley. You'll see malted barley comes into whiskeys because it softens and sweetens the finish when you go through. And the most beautiful thing about this is that we now have been open since 2009. So this bourbon is two to 13 years of age. And you get that older age as you go through the sip and it gives it that nice sweet finish to it. Uh, I also love, if you want to do cocktails, this is the one you want with lemon juice because it's got, it goes really great with that citrus. It's got all those baking spices of cinnamon and clove and nutmeg. Citrus is going to brighten it up. And so you like whiskey sours, whiskey collins. This is definitely the whiskey you're going to want to go for. And this is High West Bourbon. Mm-hmm. High West Bourbon. And the other? And the other one is Double Rye. So Double Rye has been really what put us on the map out there. We're known for our rye. And if you remember in 2008, there was like the rye revival. A lot of classic cocktails and cocktail bars were coming back on the market. The Double Rye, uh, named because it's a double whammy, it's a 95% rye content, which has been deemed the spiciest whiskey in the world by Whiskey Advocate several times. What that means is that it's got a lot of black pepper, 
Um, the rye has fennel characteristic, and then we also have a really interesting eucalyptus mint finish to it as well. So this one is one that we use for cocktails, especially classic cocktails like Manhattans or Boulevardiers. Because the rye content is so high, it doesn't get drowned out by sweet vermouth or citrus or bitters or anything you're adding into it when you're making your cocktails. Well, this is a really nice way to start the day. Ariane, thank you so much, Whiskey Ambassador for High West. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Tom. So, Todd and Deidre, cheers to you. Cheers, Tom. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Wow, very nice. So good. It is good. One more question before we leave. My one word question, which always proves to stump people. Deidre, you get to start in just one word. What does the community of Park City mean to you? Home. Todd? I'd go the same, home. It is home to you. Deidre Walsh, Todd Bennett, thank you so much for joining us on Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. We look forward to taking a few runs with you up on the mountain this winter. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Well, the early season snow has kept Deidre Walsh and Todd Bennett busy at their respective resorts. After the interview, I took a drive up historic Main Street in Park City. Having lived here for over 30 years, I've come to truly appreciate the vast diversity in skiing and riding that we have here, mixed with a quintessential 19th century mountain mining town. And while we've been talking about Deer Valley and Park City Mountain today, there are two other ski areas in town, the Utah Olympic Park and Woodward. It truly is America's ski town. Before we go, let's take a quick trip over to Canyons Village at Park City Mountain. The village at Canyons is becoming quite the hot spot in town, perfectly suited for a ski vacation to America's largest ski resort. Tucked away at the base of Sunrise Lift is the Hyatt-centric Park City, a true ski-in, ski-out resort that allows you to quickly access the thousands of acres of lift-served terrain at Park City Mountain. The Hyatt-centric offers a wide range of residence-style rentals from studio to four-bedroom, featuring full-size living, dining, and kitchen areas, plus washer, dryer, and scenic outside decks. You'll also find a full-service restaurant and bar, as well as outdoor heated pool and jacuzzi. It's a great place to soak after a day of powder runs off of 99.90. If you're planning a ski holiday to Park City this winter, check out the Hyatt Centric Park City. You can book at Hyatt.com. The Ski Utah Last Year podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West Whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. We're well underway in what looks to be a great season of insightful episodes of last year. Coming up soon, we'll talk about the Great Salt Lake and learn what steps are being taken to preserve it for the future. And if you missed it, go back and check out our Season 4 debut episode on the new Snowbird Tram and learn about Peter Landsman's mission as he visited over 2,000 ski lifts across America. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend and leave us a review. And make sure to subscribe to get every episode of Last Chair delivered directly to you. Thanks for joining us on Last Chair. To close us out, let's welcome back our friends Pixie and the Partygrass Boys. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, presented by High West. Have fun. It is a great day to ski. Mm-hmm.